Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the HR Insider Podcast. I am so excited to have you in today. Uh, I am joined today by our guest, Mark Waller from A1 Freeman Moving. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well today, Dave. Appreciate the opportunity to be on with you today. Yeah, we are so excited to have you. Um, pumped to hear about uh, what we're going to talk about today. I know that you know in the moving industry, which is what you do at A1 Freeman, that uh, there are a lot of unique challenges that you guys face, uh, and that there are some people that are listening uh, that also face those challenges. And something that you and I were talking about before we hit record was uh, that you're really starting to focus in on culture and uh, how you want to shape that. And I know you've been at your your current uh, company 18 years now. And so I'm excited to hear what you guys are doing because uh, because of the challenges that you have and because culture is such an important thing. So Mark, why don't you dive in and start telling our listeners a little bit about what you're up to right now at A1 Freeman. Okay, very good. Well, as, uh, as we talked about, Dave, um, our business of um, relocating employees moving people all around the world is a very labor-intensive, heavy asset uh, business. So it takes an incredible team to make a relocation happen. Um, I know all of us have experienced um, uh, our small uh, relocations or small moves out of college, you know, duffel bag, a couple of pieces of furniture, a friend with a pickup truck, or we buy pizza and he helps us get moved. And uh but the moving business that we're involved in is much more complicated. And uh, when I came to this company uh, 18 years ago, um, the first thing that I realized is, is we had a lot of disconnection. Uh, we had a, a lot of problems that were related to um, culture, a culture of people not working together, a culture of people not trusting each other. And the result of that is um, not only poor service, but claims, um, service failures, all of the things that are connected to uh, people not working together as a team. So uh, when I got here, that was the very first thing I observed in my first 30 days, and I knew I had a lot of work ahead of me. That's that's interesting. So. I think that, you know, a lot of times we talk about culture, um, you know, it's it's always this idea of, oh, we're trying to retain staff members, so we need to have a good culture. And I think that you, you know, you pretty quickly identified 30 days in, 18 years ago, a culture is affecting the bottom line. So it sounds like there's like a lack of accountability in the culture. Is that one of the things that you started to address? Yeah, it is uh, a lack of accountability, a lack of trust, a lack of vision, a lack of direction. And so um, the the thing that I knew right away is I have got to get some people in here that um, have the same kind of, you know, a similar vision, interest uh, that I do. Not people necessarily like me but people who had commitment and and had real passion, um, not only for the business that we're in, but passion to help uh, other team, help build teams, help develop people. And so my first, you know, the first three years, um, I spent replacing almost the entire staff here um, wow. at A1. 
Yeah, we we it, it was a three-year process. I think in that first year, probably um, one-third to one-half uh, of the people went out the door. And I brought in um, people. I'll give you an example. I'm an operations manager that I brought in. Um, he, this guy is uh, from Brazil, actually. Uh, so U.S. citizen, born in Brazil, um, but had incredible passion for his work. I mean, um, he understood our business. Uh, he knew the questions to ask. He had a real vision um, for what he wanted our facility to look like, to be like. In fact, I can tell you, you know, once he was able to get our warehouse organized and cleaned, um, get our um, uh, trailer yard organized the way that he wanted, I used to love to bring clients into the building uh, for a warehouse tour. I'd turn them over to him and he exhumed so much confidence and passion uh, that, uh, you know, he, he would help us sell many opportunities that we otherwise would not have had the opportunity to, uh, to close. And so, um, so, you know, I brought him in, I brought in uh, a guy to help us with business development, uh, brought in a lady into our customer service uh, department that understood the need uh, to take care of our clients, understood this business, um, what a true customer service looks like and could help us to begin to build the teams um, that could accomplish all of the, well, really our mission, which uh, the mission that we set at that time was, uh, in short, was to be um, the best uh, transportation company in North Texas. And so we, you know, we wanted to satisfy all of our business and private customers, our associates, our shareholders, um, by being the very best, highest quality a professional transportation and storage company in in North Texas, and so we we had some values that we laid out. You know, we wanted to treat each other with dignity and respect. We wanted to care for the things that our customers cared about. Um, we wanted to pro provide a safe and secure uh, environment for all of our employees to work in. I mean, we're located in an industrial area, you know, a lot of trucks and, you know, that type of heavy traffic rolling up and down the road um, in in winter months or when it's getting dark at 5.30 and 6 p.m. You know, we wanted our customer service personnel who are leaving the building late uh, to feel safe to go out to their cars and, and drive off the parking lot. So we really focused on these things to begin to help to build our culture. And that was just, that was only step one. Uh, because as uh, as I had mentioned previously, you know, we we have employees here. We have many employees here, but we also, in our business, and this is a, a, a common across the entire industry, we also work with independent contractors who drive all over the country for us. And those independent contractors hire day laborers um, who will come to our facility to be hired by these uh, contractors. So there, there were uh, things that we needed to be able to do to attract and retain uh, the personnel who are doing the heavy lifting. Uh, because with all of the technology advances that we've experienced over the last uh, decade and a half, uh, nobody's uh, figured out a way to carry furniture uh, out of a house and into a truck. Than to have people do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the truth? All right. So it's, it seems like, you know, you, you immediately came in and you're like, all right, I need to get the right people in. And that of course, 
takes a while and you, you try and, and train people up and, and kind of work through the, the motions of getting the right people in the right seats. Can you train some people up? Can you coach some people into uh, the kind of culture that you want? But I, I think what's fascinating, Mark, is that you said that you, you ultimately ended up turning over a significant portion of the staff. And I'm, I'm curious to know, did you fire those individuals? Did, did they leave? Like, how, how did that process take place? Because I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, whether at, they're at a Fortune 2000 company or they're you know, at a startup, they're asking some of these same questions. When is it the right time to let a person go that's just not a good fit versus you know, kind of helping them see their way out the door? What was your philosophy towards that and kind of what's become your philosophy towards that uh, now? That's a really good question, Dave. I, and I'll tell you, there, there, there's no um, one size fits all uh, when it comes to that. Sometimes um, employees just simply made it easy for you. Uh, they don't, um, they're not on board with the changes that you're making. They don't agree with the, the direction that you're going. And so they choose to leave. Um, that was probably um, the fewest number of employees that went out that way. The, then we had others um, who simply, uh, you know, most of it was related to change. Uh, they just weren't on board with the changes. But, to, you know, to answer your question, yes, you can coach people up. Yes, um, uh, people can uh, improve. Uh, they can become, in fact, some of the people did, they, they did become a part of the new team. I have a, a my accounting manager who's one of the, the few people that were still here. I can remember the first time I walked into her office and um, I, I don't remember exactly what the subject was, but I had a financial in my hand. I began to ask her some questions and I said, well, tell me why you think we're doing this this way and how do you think it should be done? And she lifted her head. She looked at me and she said, you want my opinion? And I said, well, of course I do. And uh, so, you know, what she had experienced in the past was, you know, you do this and this is the way we do it. And don't ask questions, just keep your head down working. And we've had a great working relationship, relationship the last 18 years. And I've leaned on her a lot and she has grown uh, in her career and, and uh, personally, um, you know, through this process. So, so yes, that can happen. Now, uh, the biggest, I think the biggest thing that you have to be aware of is, you know, clear, concise communication as to what's happening. Uh, I would bring our teams together and I'd say, look, here's what we think the problems are. Here's the changes that we think need to happen in order to correct this so that we can become the company that we want to be. And so, you know, here's what I'm going to need from this team and then every individual. And um, those persons who were not willing to um, participate, uh, those who were not willing to get on board with the team, um, you know, eventually were either terminated or uh, they left the company of their own accord. And, you know, most of those that left, I can tell you, looking back on that, most of those that left, left because they were, um, they were in here for their own gain. Uh, they had no interest in teamwork. Uh, they had no interest in trying to accomplish something for our, our clients, our customers. Uh, but they were in it for, uh, themselves. 
Mm-hmm. And so, and that was everything from, uh, you know, I had a packing team uh, the very first day uh, that um, I began to implement some of these things. I, I went back into dispatch and I had a, the head of a packing team uh, literally yelling through the uh, over the counter through the glass at our dispatcher, and I I approached and I said, "Can you can I help? What what's the problem here?" Well, he wasn't given access to the warehouse to collect equipment and materials, and I explained to him that we're we're pulling the equipment materials for you. We'll give you a door to pull to, and we'll we'll load those to your vehicle. But he wanted to have free access to the warehouse. And I said, I'm sorry, that's a secure environment. We have clients with household goods stored there and we're not, we're not allowing into the warehouse. And he demanded to get in and said, if he didn't, he was quitting. And I just pointed to the door and he walked out. (laughs) Then I looked at my dispatcher and said, we got to figure out how we're going to take care of this customer this morning. (laughs) Wow. So, uh, yeah, so I say, you know, normally when you come in and you're going to make the, these kinds of grand changes, uh, you know, people are either going to be on board or they're not. And the ones that are not become evident really quickly. And, you know, you begin to have those one-on-one conversations. A lot of them, like I said, they'll they'll leave on their own. Some of them we let go. So, right. Right, right, right. Okay, so something that you said, because I, you know, no matter what you're doing, where you're at, people that are working in HR or, or even if they're small business owners that are trying to do HR well, it, a lot of attention goes to the bottom line, right? And so if you can run a, hey, this is going to affect uh, the bottom line, um, up the flagpole to the C-suite to decision makers, um, it's going to have an immediate impact. And something you said earlier that I just really resonated with me that I'm sure I know a lot of people struggle with on this podcast was you're saying our culture was affecting uh, kind of what you guys were doing business wise. And I would just be interested to hear you speak to that a little bit. And you've given some good examples, but I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more, Mark, about how you have created a culture that now is affecting uh, having a direct impact dollar for dollar uh, on, you know, what you guys are doing as a business. Okay. Yeah. Well, sure. Um, and of course, all of this does affect the bottom line. I mean, ultimately, you know, my objective, um, when I came into the company was this is a company that's losing money. Um, this is a company that's providing poor service. This is a company that's got problems. And, um, so my first thoughts were, um, how can I, how can I make changes that are going to help this company move into producing a profit and generating cash? And um, so, you know, the very beginning was hiring the right people. Then we talked about this, you know, concise communication about the things that we needed to change and how they began to impact. So, for example, um, <laughs> I had the, I was very fortunate um, to be in this uh, building for about 30 days to observe the team that was in place before I was actually hired to take the leadership role here. So um, the leader that was here um, was, in my view, was not focused on the right things uh, because I discovered very quickly that the, uh, the warehouse facility 
which is where household goods are stored, was free access. I mean, I literally think a stranger could walk into our yard, walk up a ramp into our warehouse and walk around without anybody asking, who are you and why are you in here? Wow. And and so I went to him. I, ha- I happened to have a pen uh, that I liked at that time. So I went and I, I went to the uh, county department and I asked somebody to order me a refill. It was a Mont Blanc. And uh, I think the refills at that time were about five bucks. And uh, a couple of weeks went by and I still didn't have it. So I went back and I said, hey, did you get that? Um, I asked the young lady that placed the order. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, that was turned down. And I, I said, I'm turned down. And she said, yes, the uh, general manager turned that down. So I went to see him and I said, can you explain to me? I said, I, I don't mind buying my own ink pen refills, but I just want to hear your your logic behind this. And he said he just didn't feel like it was uh uh, the Mont Blanc refills were appropriate place to spend the company's money, and uh, that, which was fine. But while he's worried about that $5 refill, he's getting robbed blind uh, in his warehouse facility through household goods claims where shipments are being pilfered, where packed material is walking out of the building uh, in bundles. And so when when I took over and began to make these changes, uh, immediately – we brought security to the facility. We limited access uh, to the warehouse to only the personnel that were required to be in the warehouse uh, who are putting, you know, putting customers' goods away and so forth. And so immediately claims are being eliminated and all of that money that's paid out in the form of claims is falling straight to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And that's just one example. I mean, there's there's are numerous examples. You especially in the business that we're in, when you send um, a team of four men, a tractor and a trailer, and they go to residence uh, to load a ten thousand pound household goods shipment, it's going to take um, the better part of a day to get that done. If that team stops at IHOP on the way out there and spends a couple hours eating breakfast, now I got a customer that's upset that the, that they got there late and then they're there till eight or nine o'clock at night. You have safety issues of, of guys that are too tired to work. You've got um, uh, guys coming back after dark, which creates you know some other challenges. And then um, the productivity. Uh, you're you know you're paying um, more hours than are necessary. You're paying overtime hours. I mean the list goes on and on. So it's you know it's not hard to see in our business how quickly things can get out of control. And that was you know and again I could recognize those things and I could begin to say well we need to get improved productivity. We need to get um, we need to reduce our claims and you know here's some things we can do to do that. But when I realized that I have a team here that are not on board with trying to accomplish those things, that's when I knew I've got to bring some other people in here and we've got to turn this thing around. We've we got to get the people here first. We got to step up the communications. We got to turn this thing around. So that's, those are a couple of examples of how it can impact you financially. 
All right, I'm going to stop right there. This episode of HR Insiders is brought to you by PC Housing. PC Housing caters to business travelers and their families by providing tailored temporary housing solutions that are less like a corporate apartment and more like a home. With anytime check-in, flexible lease terms, and personalized welcome grocery packages for their guests, PC Housing provides the amenities you need to be at your best. Need something customized to fit your specific needs? PC Housing offers customizable furniture, and housewares to match your lifestyle. With communities throughout the US and Canada, they have the resources to simplify and enhance your temporary housing needs. Relax and know PC Housing backs its services with the risk-free PC Housing Guarantee. If you're not happy, they'll do all they can to make it right or provide a refund. PC Housing, stop searching, start booking. For more information, please visit our website, hrinsiderspodcast.com. That's hrinsiderspodcast.com. Now, back to the show. You know, I think one of the things that I keep hearing is the team, the team, the team. And uh, since football season is upon us, and uh, that's, uh, that's typically a time of celebration in the U.S., it, it sounds a lot to me, and, and I don't know if this is true or not, Mark, but it sounds a lot to me like you have a, you know, head coach mentality when it comes to leading your company, to leading this, this group of people. Is that something that you consciously think of, or is that something that just comes out naturally? Um, you know, I think, you know, part of it's just my disposition. You know, I have that uh, type of personality, but yeah, I think it's, I think that coach mentality, uh, is important. I, I try to keep our organization as, as flat as I possibly can. Um, I know all of our employees and our contractors by name. I know many of our day laborers by name. Uh, we have some things in place that's, that's caused that to be uh, necessary. I go into our facility, I shake everybody's hand um, I, I want them to know that we're all on the same team, that we're trying to accomplish uh, the same thing. We're trying to produce a product that people want, that people will pay for, give them good service, and in return, uh, we gain revenue, cash and revenue, right? Uh, so, uh, so I think that's, you know, that's an important aspect of it. You know, I, I, in my uh, facility, uh, my door is open. Um, I invite any of our employees, I mean, from the janitor to our platform workers or forklift drivers um, to come into my office anytime they want and, uh, you know, sit down, share their concerns, share their ideas. You know, I had a note, somebody handed me a note the other day um, one of my warehousemen handed me a note the other day that said, I have an idea to get more revenue into our warehouse. And I just, I, that stuff thrills me because they, they're, they get it and they understand it. I, I have, um, a warehouse supervisor that, you know, when a truck backs against our dock, he wants to know, what are we getting paid for this? Um, what is, you know, what's, what's it going to take so he can measure his productivity against, uh, against the revenue and to make sure that there's a margin there for our company. So there's, you know, there's all of these kinds of things that if you're not, if I'm not walking through the facility, patent team members on the back, coaching them up, um, those things don't happen. 
they have to, you know, when I come out and I ask that question to my, uh, I see my uh, a warehouse team unloading a shipment, I'll go to the team lead and I'll say, hey, what, what, are we, uh, what kind of revenue are we getting on this shipment? And uh, he doesn't know. I'll tell him, hey, find out. We need a chance. Swing by my office. Let me know. I want to know what we're what we're doing here. Well, he knows the next time I come by there, I'm going to ask the same question. And so he goes to find out. And uh, it's that way all through the facility. And it, and, and it's not just about uh, revenue coming into the warehouse. I mean, it could be uh, questions in customer service about, you know, what, what things are going on in customer service? What kind of issues are we facing? How can I help? Is there a customer I can call? It can be with our business development people. When I'll say, hey, look, guys, when you've, when you've walked through a home, uh, you've sat down at the kitchen table, you've uh, provided a, a quote for a, a, a relocation, uh, send me an email. Give me that customer's name and number. I want to call them and let them know I'm supporting your efforts 100%. Let's, work, let's close this together. This is, this is our move to close together. I'm not some guy sitting at the top, uh, you know, just handing out instructions. In fact, uh, when it comes to handing out instructions, I'm usually going to my people and finding out, now, what's the process here? <laughs> How are we handling this process right now so that, you know, so I can be involved and, and give you my ideas about, uh, you know, what, how we might improve it or whatever the case is. So I don't always I don't always have all the details. Yeah, I. You know, I think that's so key, Mark. I think so often it's um, if you do know all the details, you're doing too much, right? And you're not allowing your team to run. And um, I love everything that you're saying there. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. So it sounds like you've built, you know, over the past 18 years, you've built this really accountable, trustworthy, um, you know, vision-led group of people. Have you seen the difference in the bottom line? I mean, you have this big data bank now. Are things really that different under your leadership with in regards to how the culture is and then therefore how the country or how the company runs? Yes. Yes. Things were actually things were different in the very first year. Significantly different. Okay. Um, And and you know what? I don't want to take I I don't want to take credit for that. I can tell you that it, it was. Um, th- th- things had gotten so far off track uh, before I got here that it, you know, really just bringing in the right people, making some very fundamental changes that any business leader would make uh, made a tremendous difference. And we went from um, from losing money um, the previous uh, two or three years to immediately making money and, and making money every year since. Um, and of course, you know, this is not something that you can, that you can, you, you know, you make these changes. I would say it probably took me three to five years to get everybody completely in place and feel like, hey, I've got my team and um, we're, you know, we're rolling. I mean, there's a little bit of that, but you have to constantly pay attention to it because I will tell you this, you're going to hire somebody uh, that you're going to get in here and you're going to realize this person is sewing division all over my company. Mm. They are, uh, I don't, you know, they're gossiping. They are, uh, creating, uh, you know, un unhealthy competition, uh, within departments, uh, or whatever it is they're doing. Um, you realize, okay, this is a person 
that if I if I let this continue, this is going to dis- destroy the culture that we've built. With we, you know, and you have to deal with those things when they come up. Absolutely. And some of those are very uh, that that's where it also takes a lot of courage um, to sit people down and have the kinds of conversations that you have to have um, in order to correct those uh, those things. And you know, from I mean, from an HR standpoint, you know, one of the things that when I coach my supervisors is having difficult conversations. If if you don't have the difficult conversation, the problem will continue to be, uh, the problem will continue. I want to say perpetuate. I couldn't get it out. Um, (laughs) The problem will be perpetuated and uh, you're, uh, your performance will decline because the team will decline and the performance will decline. So you, so you have to deal with those things when they come up and I've had them in my company and, and sometimes they're very, very difficult because you know that you have an individual who is, um, you know, I, I don't know what the right words are for it. Look, little gossip, little backbiting, just the kind of things that keep people in discord. And there may not be necessarily a performance issue that I can run out here and put my finger on that says, well, your performance isn't up to snuff here. Um, so you so you can't really deal with it that way. So you, then you have to be just straightforward. You have to bring the person in, sit them down and say, hey, look, this is what I'm seeing. Um, you are, in my view, sowing discord in our company. You're you're guilty of gossip and these kinds of things. And I need I need your help in um, eliminating this. Uh, if you because if you don't do that, you let that continue. You, you're you're going to lose. Um, you're going to begin to lose the culture that you built. Mm, mm. Yeah, I can totally see that. Totally see that. Well, Mark, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on and kind of share some of your expertise with our listeners. And, uh, I know that they're going to get as much out of it as I did, which is a phenomenal amount. So Mark, if, if our listeners want to reach out to you, what, uh, how would they do that? What's a good, what's a good method to contact you? Uh, well, they can, uh, well, they always go to our website, a-1freeman.com. Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn and, uh, my email address is my first initial M last name, Waller, W-A-L-L-E-R at a-1freeman.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mark, I want to thank you again for taking the time to stop by and share your expertise about culture and kind of your journey and, uh, really appreciate it. All right. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Dave.